Hello, this is your host, Paul Harvey at Life, Passion and Business. I realise I put this at the end of the programme most of the time. And I also realise I don't often listen to the end of podcasts. So I thought about it, i tell you here before we get started. So the first thing is this podcast is not supported in any way. We have no sponsorship. So if you would like to support us, do check out the Buy Me A Coffee link on this podcast app. And you also find it at the website. Now, also, if you are interested in the five questions and would like to answer them yourself, do check out the resources tab at the website because the five questions is available as a workbook and an ebook. And if you want to know why that's important, check out the end of the podcast or go and check out the resources tab at the website. That's enough for me. Let's get on with the program. My name is Paul Harvey, and you are listening to Life, Passion and Business, a podcast born out of my desire to find greater meaning in life at the time when I thought there was none. Since that day, I have spoken to hundreds of people, and what I have discovered is that our story is everything, because what we do, feel or experience is based on the stories that we tell ourselves. It's time to explore what it means to live a good life. How do we make this experience better? And more importantly, how do we lead the world to a better place? It's not by default, but by design. So if you want to get to the top of the mountain, you have to actually put some effort. You have to have some form of plan and be tenacious. Yes. And you'll get, you can be at the bottom and stay at the bottom by accident, by doing nothing but you'll never get to the top and live the life that you actually were designed and ordained to live and or myself until you start to understand that. It comes with intentionality. Our story today is about finding purpose and living it because sailing the waves of life without direction or rudder is a hard journey. My guest with me today is Adam Duran. He was the youngest sibling in his family and always felt like the underachiever. That pattern of failure was repeated at school and on into high school where he be, where trouble became his middle name. So he left high school without graduation and his life was on a road to nowhere. Now when Adam was a young teen, he and his friends did not see much future in the life for him beyond the age of 25. Both a little bit sad and actually quite dark really. As always with these stories, the universe offers a hand. During his high school years, Adam's father rediscovered his faith and encouraged all of the family to attend church. So at 18, out of school, without graduation and life looking so bleak, somehow the church called him. That's right, this tearaway lad was called to theological college and he had a plan and it was ministry. It's fair to say that plan did not run straight, but it was an adventure. Adam built a life that his 15-year-old never thought was possible. And while at college, he met a girl and they had a child. He got into law enforcement as she became a drug addict. Yes, it has all the twists and turns of a good TV drama. Our conversation is lively and passionate. It's about faith and how it was tested and how he came through the tough times. It's about living with meaning, purpose, passion and getting what you want. For Adam, it was always about purpose and focus. And with hindsight, he can now see why his original plan for ministry became a 30-year career in law enforcement, because that was where he could be most, the most effective minister. It was about supporting those whose life has begun like his, but did not have the breaks that he had. Adam is now retired from law enforcement and he's moved on to his second career as an author, writer and speaker. He's taken his skills from ministry, law enforcement and fitness and written a book called Live Life on Purpose. So let's join the conversation with Adam Duran. What's the story for you? Where did it all begin? The story really, the story goes uh, back uh, as a child where um, I lacked a sense of uh, self-confidence mm -hmm. and a, self, a belief in myself. I was the youngest of my family uh, by at least a few years of my my brother, my sister, even all my cousins. I was considered the baby of the family. So no matter what we got involved in with, with whether it been sports or whether it had been anything, I always felt less than. I just wasn't as good as them. Mm. Uh, you know, they're 10, 12 years old, and I'm seven years old. And I wanted to be good at something and I could never meet their expectations, mm. uh, at least my expectations on their level. Yeah. And I didn't realize at the time that um, that it was just because I was so young 
And um, I didn't have, uh, I, that began my journey of uh, not being good enough, feeling that feeling of uh, lack of belief in myself. It, it must be tough being the bottom end of the family, actually, especially when, if, if everyone's good achievers as well. It must be quite difficult in that respect. Whereabouts were in the world? Where, where were you living? So uh, I'm from San Jose, California, Northern mm -hmm. California. Uh, people know it as the Bay Area, mm -hmm. San Francisco, Oakland, San Jose. Mm -hmm. And one, uh, just to uh, maybe some, a bit of uh, uh, where I'm at, people would know this. Uh, down the street from me is Apple, Google, um, and HP. Um, oh, a few little companies then. Yeah, a few, and, yeah. and Facebook. And Facebook okay. is right down the street from me. Oh. Yes. All within 20, 20 minutes, 25 minutes of me right now. Is well. all the, the heads of the corporation. So I'm guessing, so I'm guess, I'm guessing, real estate in your area is a bit expensive, then. <laughs> uh, uh, to say the least. What about you? So you obviously were brought up in this sort of area, and you obviously, as you said, you you had a, a difficult upbringing in terms of that you were surrounded by high achievers. <laughs> yes, yes, and so that kind of began my journey, and I was trying to find something that I was good at as a youngster. Yeah. And it didn't come with schoolwork, and it didn't come with sports. And again, I didn't understand at the time it was because of my youth or my lack of uh, what uh, on the same plane as my family, my cousins, yeah. even my brother and my sister. Yeah. Um, so I began to hang out and, and getting some attention. They were getting positive attention. And I felt like I wasn't getting the attention that I needed or wanted. I thought I needed and, and definitely wanted. So in the positive sense, then I started going to the negative and not doing my schoolwork. Um, hanging around kind of the wrong crowd, and that set the journey for my youth. So in junior high school, so I ended up hanging around the wrong crowd of, of the, the gangsters of the neighborhood, and uh, I ended up um, picking up a assault charge as a, like a 13-year-old. So before I even hit high school, I was on probation uh, with the police uh, mm. for assault. From there, the wrong crowds, and I'm, they said, hey, if you don't get in any trouble for the next two years, we'll, we'll expunge your juvenile record. Well, I continued not getting in trouble, but continuing my troubled behavior. That, I mean, uh, did you get better at not getting caught? I got better at not getting caught. Oh, well, then, yeah. okay. Then. So there, there, there was some progress then. You were making some progress. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the negative way, but yes, I was making progress. So well, you know. from, there, from there, of course, my schoolwork uh, suffered. Uh, when I got into high school, which is the ninth grade, uh, I remember my first semester, I had five Fs and one D. And, and, That's an accolade. Uh, that, that must have taken some work to achieve those. <laughs> uh, the D was in PE, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, again, the wrong crowd. And, of course, going through high school, hanging around people just like me, because there are others like me, and compounded the uh, negative um, well, the reality the is here. The reality is here for for the so many, but it just goes to prove that education doesn't work for everybody. And what what is it's not just about you failing; the system failing you from 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 going down there. Because it's like you know you can you can tell someone as much as you like, but you've got to find some way of inspiring them to change rather than trying to tell them to change. That uh, Paul, that is so so true. So I began to fall between the cracks yeah. of, 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 of really of my high school, of the community, fall between the cracks. And of course, uh, the behavior continued, wrong crowds, wrong, just put wrong everything. And I didn't graduate because there's no way I could graduate. But they kept me in school for almost four years, which is and didn't graduate. And uh, but but about that time, I my dad began. Well, prior, my dad would start to go to church. He found a purpose in his life a few years prior to that. Um, he made everybody go to church. And so I rebelled from that. I didn't like being made to do anything. But about 18, um, I said, this life is not working for me. It's not, this is not happening. There were some breakups with some kind of girlfriends type thing. And I was just feeling really low. So and just, just you know, what happens when you leave school uh, without graduation in the States? I mean, is, is that a particularly difficult situation to be in? So what I did is I was never shy of working. Okay. Uh, I never I never shied away from actually work. So I started working when I was 14. Oh. Prior to that, I had been working throughout uh, part-time and going to school because my dad, you know, he pretty much say, you, you need to get a job even at 14 years old. It's a little different now, but you still can do certain things. So at 18, when I didn't graduate, uh, the first thing I did is my dad said, hey, 
if you don't, if you're not working and uh, if you're not going to school, you're going to work full time. You, you work full time, you're going to pay rent. Uh, there, there was no ifs, ends or buts about it. So I knew I had to get myself in order. So then I um, didn't graduate, but I did the, uh, the uh, equivalent to a high school diploma. And it's called a general education de um, degree. And so right like on a Friday, I stopped going to school. Monday and Tuesday was two day process. I got my general. I took the test and passed it. And then by that Thursday or Friday, I had a full time job lined up already. Mm. Um, so it was very quick. Uh, my dad was a no nonsense kind of guy. <laughs> we knew it. My brother and sister, we all knew it. So then I started working full time and then went to church and I said, maybe there's something to this. Then um, I, you know, I had like a conversion, not a like, I had a conversion and I found something that bigger than me uh, that uh, I can believe in and that, you know, with God, I can do more things. I can. So it gave me a, a sense of confidence in myself living for something, again, bigger than me. And from there, end up eventually going to college, which changed my life because I changed my environment. I changed my friends. Uh, I changed began a uh, transformation of how I believed of what I can do, what was possible. Yeah. And therefore my life began to change at that point. Mm. So um, what were you doing? I mean, you, oh, you, you, I mean, obviously you, you're working generally, but when you went to college, what did you go and study? I studied the Bible. Oh, okay. Um, yes. I studied the Bible. because I got. So you, I got, so you went to theological college. Yes, I did. I got very passionate about it. And, uh, you know, I was always not shy of speaking, as you can, uh, you might be able to say, um, I enjoy speaking, I enjoy communicating, I enjoy the reciprocation, um, always got in trouble in school for talking too much to my friends and that sort of thing. So I went to school for public speaking, which is kind of evangelism, and of course, studying the Bible. Uh, those friends from all over the country, if some of them around the world, different mindset. So what well, does theological college teach you? I mean, it studies the Bible. I mean, is, that, is it primarily around Bible study? Yes. Yes. So uh, no matter what major you cho you chose, which mine was evangelism, uh, Bible would be a minor. So you could, you, it would always, Bible was the minor. So you would always study the Bible. So we actually went to church like six days a week and twice, uh, sometimes twice a day. Well, you're going um, to a theological college. <laughs> yes. So we, had, we studied that. And, and again, I did I had never really read a book prior to going to college. Yeah. You know, I was, if I'm going to do a book report, I just turn to the back and plagiarize basically and, and just kind of summarize the book. And I, I wonder, thought that was a, how different is theological college from being going into a monastery? So um, I don't know the monastery, um, to be honest with you. I think in monastery is more like uh, Catholicism and really separating yourself from, we didn't separate ourselves. I think we were still. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Monastery, monastery is an internal journey, isn't it? When yes. You go, when you go into cloister, it's an internal journey. So, so going to theological college is about being is about taking it out there. Yes, and getting out to the world, and and us transforming, and us learning, and understanding uh, the Bible and other books, commentaries, and related to in church history. So, from that point, uh, people, my friends from all over the country, they kind of saw me as a bit of a project because they knew I was kind of. <laughs> they thought, and they rightly so from the other side of the tracks was me. And a lot of them come from, grew up in church. I didn't grow up in church. So I was still rough around the edges. So they wanted to yeah, help I me. Know, but, you know, but, it, but you, it, it has a, it has the right feel about it in some respects, because it's like, because you know, the dark side, you, when you come out, when you come onto that, you, you understand people in that, on that journey. Yes. You can only understand people who walked in their shoes on some level. And so like they enjoyed helping people. So I was got to the project mm. and I didn't know what a term paper was. And my first uh, sitting down, my first day of class in college, I had five term papers to do by the end of the semester and the syllabus wow. in the different class. I was taking 17 credits. I'm mm. like, what is going on here? I don't even know what term. I thought it was a book report. Uh, they all helped me and they helped me to study. And, and I, I began to understand and feel like I enjoyed learning. How long were you in, in theological college for? Just about three and a half years. That's uh, a, a serious commitment of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was coming home in the summer times and Christmas times, but uh, I was there from September to so December. Mm -hmm. All right. Did you fund this yourself? Uh, no, my dad did. My, ah. my dad funded it. Yeah. So I, I went 2,000 miles. I had never been on a plane before wow. when I left college. So I went 2,000, over 2,000 miles away across the country 
and I landed in a place that, oh my gosh, I'd never really been out of California, hardly. And now I'm in a Louisiana, like kind of the sticks there. You know, I wasn't afraid to try things, although I was afraid, but it wouldn't stop me from moving ahead to what I wanted to do. Yeah. And when I was passionate about it and there, that started the journey of really uh, leveling up on a life that uh, I didn't think I could ever have. Cause as a youngster, I remember talking to my friends as 15 year old kids, honestly, it's kind of, it's kind of dark, but we didn't see ourselves like kind of living past 25. We're like, Oh, and we thought it was funny. Very, a lot of immaturity and a lot of just didn't see the future in a bright way. But here I am now I'm going to college. I'm like, I'm around other college graduates. And most of the, my professors were doctors in, you know, theology and, and, and various and various uh, um, PhDs and that sort of thing. And I'm around this mindset that th these guys, it's, it's a fertile ground for learning and being challenged. And I'm like, okay, I kind of, and that's kind of one of the things that I started to do a little bit of running at that point, you know, like they required uh, us in a very high way. We could not have our hair a quarter inch past our ears. We had to exercise. This was all part of the curriculum. So it was a very disciplined lifestyle and it helped me to, you know, to set the stage as a foundation it, it, late in the game as far as you don't, I would think I would have it as a youngster, but there were stages in my life that added to where I'm at today. And mm. that was a big part of it. Yes. So when you, I mean, how, you're obviously there for three or four years. So when you left yeah. college, what's, what's the plan now to theological college? I mean, what, what are the options in front of you to go and do? So the plan was to uh, go into the ministry. That was my plan. Yeah. Um, but right around second to third year of college, although I did go in the third year, Second, third uh, year on the summer break, I met a girl. And, as, you do, uh, as you do. As I did. Hormones, and, uh, hormones raging there. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, indeed. I think I was 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. And um, it was a girl that a lot of people didn't think she was kind of right for me. Which, um, And they came at me in a, such a way they were trying to force me. And I did not like being forced. So it drove me harder towards her. And uh, she was from the other side of the tracks as well uh maybe a little bit more so than me and uh that set the stage for our life i got married um when that was in the summer of second third year i got married in, between third and fourth year of college and took her back with me we were going to go to uh go into the ministry together uh we began to work in uh, another state we, after that i left college because we kind of you know the family was uh not really supportive and i you know rightfully so um, so they basically, hey, you want to do it on your own? You want to be an adult, which is all good, but now you're going to have to support yourself. She became pregnant. Well, very quickly, it hit me that I ran out of money. We came back to California where I live because we didn't have a lot of support. Um, unfortunately, that didn't work out. Well, I, I got the job in law enforcement. She, uh, it, she ended up in a bad situation. After got that job, she began to get into drugs, hanging around some family members that were less wow. than. And you're in law enforcement and she's in drugs. You talk about heartbreaking. Yeah. You talk about being heartbreaking and just a sense of, I have no idea what I'm going to do. My life is just in shambles now. And next thing you know it, she's uh, in the facility, the custodial facility jail I was working at. She's being booked in mm. with charges of drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's at another stage for my life. We had a child together. We just had a child. Didn't know what I was going to do. And you talk about, if I had ever been depressed, I look back at, I yeah, I was depressed. I guess that must also reflect on you if she's been caught for drugs, must not it, as a, as a, as a, oh. a law enforcement. Everyone must looking at you a bit shady. Like, well, okay, okay. So what's, uh, your, what's your story then? Uh, absolutely. Like, hey, he's with her. What's going on? Yeah. He, you know, I mean, they weren't saying that. But no, but they, they were thinking it, that's for sure. <laughs> you talk about being just, just beat down, like emotionally, mentally. I remember, I remember this. This is a true story. The, I, I was like, I don't, I can't, I can't get, gather my thoughts. But I remember the taste to food was bland. No matter what I ate, it just felt like it had no taste. And the cult, and I, I go back, this has been almost 30 years ago, but it's very vivid to me. I remember the colors I was looking at all looked the same. Although I could differentiate, it felt like the colors were just the same. The food was bland. I, could, I couldn't sleep. And I think I definitely was looking back. I'd never been like that before and have never since. 
but I, I think I was in a form of depression because I didn't know what to do. Did, how did that test your faith? Because you've come out of theological college, you've met this woman who obviously attracted at the time, and suddenly, yeah. you know, between you, a curveball has been completely thrown. And it's like, did you question it at all? You're like going, Ooh. Uh, well, I just felt like, um, I, I felt the funny thing, not funny in a funny way, but the interesting thing about it, I, I remember almost physically in pain. Yeah. I'm feeling a sense of like, my stomach was in knots. And I remember laying there just like, I, I can't take this anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then it, because I had my faith so strong that even though I was, I was like, God, what is going on here? But I, there were, I go back to scriptures that I, I memorized that I would never be put through something that God can't bring me out. No matter yes. what I gone through, I knew I could come out because I had that sense that I don't know what I'm going to do. And I said, I, I remember literally laying there. I could, it's so vivid to me. I remember the floor I was in, in the room I was in at the house at the time, 30 years, almost 30 years ago, thinking, God, I don't know if I can do this. I, I don't know how much more. And I said, but I know one thing. If you're with me, I know I can get through this. Somehow, I can't see it, but I know that I know as long as you don't leave me, Somehow I'm going to get through this. Yeah. And even though it took time and it was horrendous, it was just torturous and treacherous. What I was going through that I felt um, I was trying to help her. And I just felt like it just wasn't it was for naught because she did not want to be helped. She, you know, a person is an uh, adult. They're going to make their own decisions. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Please, I'll take you back. I'll help you. I'll send you to rehabilitation. I was and here I go having to go to work. And, and, and last thing, I, I can go on and on, but I remember, this is a very dark time of my life. I remember, look, I'm working in a jail facility, and I'm working with some of the worst, a couple of them, I'll say one, one person in particular, they were all the inmates. Um, he's basically multiple murders. And he was a gang, uh, one of a gang, a gang member, gang kind of almost a gang leader of uh, a notorious gang in California still today. Don't, I don't even want to mention the name, but he was in that gang. And I remember looking at him. I'm working nights, six to six, six at night to six in the morning. And I remember looking at him almost in a sense of not admiration, but like almost wanted to trade places with him because I was hurting so bad. I was like, it must be nice. I'm not, I'm not even, ha I had the wrong perspective. I'm, I didn't say this to him, but I'm thinking he gets to sit there. He gets fed. He doesn't have to deal with the things I have. I'm dealing with right now. And he gets up, he goes to sleep and I'm like almost like putting myself in that place of mine, which was a very dark place. Like, I just want to get out of this pain. I don't want to hurt no more. It was so, it was so bad. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and to think like that, like it almost would be nice to be in jail, not, not to do bad things, but it was just, it was, I was, the hurt was so bad. I just wanted to escape from it. Um, but I remember that time, but that set the stage for my life. And like, okay, now I got through this. And again, this was all a process. It wasn't overnight uh, mm. because there was court. I'm, now I'm having to battle for my child, my son. To uh, to uh, she's her mom has helped her to try to garner get the child to her, and I'm like, hey. and it was just a whole slew of things. But if I didn't have family, if I didn't have my faith in God, because I felt so dark, who, who knows what I don't know what it would. And the support of my family, my mother, my father, I had a good brother, brother, sister, my family were amazing. And my friends were amazing. They all felt mm -hmm. bad for me, believe me. I, they didn't tell me everything, but I'm sure they probably like, this poor dude, this poor guy, even the, I had some bad influence and bad friends. I, I remember one in particular said, hey, Adam, we heard about what's going on. We feel terrible about it. And he's a, he wasn't, he's still not, you know, doing what he should be doing. Uh, so I hear, but he told me, hey. You know, if you ever need anything from me, uh, we can help. We, I might be able to I have some friends that might be able to help you if you ever go through like, like doing something bad to somebody else. And he didn't, he implied it. He didn't say it. And no. I didn't ask. No. I just said, I said, okay, well, Hey, thank you for that. Cause he shows, we feel terrible for you. But all that said, it set the stage for my life to um, really level up again and continue. This is all that was my, this is, has been my journey. <clears throat> my journey has been long. And uh, then, you know, of course, with the probation, not finishing school, but yet having a 30 year law enforcement career, promoting to the uh, to the level of administrator 
of my department, which is a large department, one of the largest departments in the United States. Right. So it's not some hokey dokey podunk county. We're yeah. we're the county that houses Google, Facebook, yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah all those yeah. people. So it's a big county. So I I rose to that level because of my belief and my confidence. It was kind of failing after failing, but still climbing and well, not not just up. your belief and confidence, also your competence. You must have been good at what you were doing. I, I began I when I began my law enforcement career. I didn't see myself because I wanted to go into the ministry. I didn't see myself. It was paying the bills and paying it you know, pretty well, thankfully. Um, and it was kind of the best thing as far as job I had ever had to pay that kind of money to me. And so, um, but I didn't want to be there too long because I was not in the ministry. No. However, through that time, I remember being the five years, 10 years. And all of a sudden, like I said, there was still struggle to go to work. But after about 10 years of working, I said, my well, throughout, I enjoy, I always enjoyed people. So I worked around mm. people like my other officer buddies. I enjoyed them. I enjoyed the staff. And so it was always the community, the sense of uh, teamwork. And um, so that really helped me too. But through it all, um, yeah, I began to change my perspective and really appreciating my job. And, you know, immaturity, I, at first, you don't appreciate everything. But after a while, I began to appreciate my perspective changed. And all of a sudden, I got better at it. And better at because I'm. If you find something you actually like doing, you're going to put more work in. You will. Than the other people who who struggle to get there because I enjoy doing this. I'm going to put more work in. I'm interested effort. here because you were passionate about the ministry. Yes. You were passionate about serving God for the ministry, and then you went into law enforcement. So, what was the passion in law enforcement for you? So I I always enjoyed um, again people. So now I got a sense of kind of the ministry without actually ministering to them. Yeah, I guess, you did I guess it is really, isn't it? It's not that dissimilar, is it really? Yeah, I'm going into this and I'm in a, I'm, I'm in a module. These are module jail facility of uh, 64, um, cri um, well, criminals, some of them pretty, pretty extensive. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, of course, you know, you meet all so, sorts in these places. I mean, some of them, some of them done bad things, <laughs> really bad things, really bad things. So, but I got a sense of, you know, I felt like valued yeah. because I'm able to help them with mindset and, and I'm able to help them, even though I didn't read the books I was doing, I actually believed it. Also, I, I mean, guys, I know, I know I, it's easy for me to say this now. I know uh, I, I, it's easy for me to say, you know, people like them, weren't born like that they were made like that their yeah. circumstances created the situation they're in did yes you, and, did you I, recognize I, that as a police officer or did I, you absolutely I, absolutely um there were some uh, officers that came from a background of not being around any of them hmm. i kind of grew up around that those yeah. type of people i began my life as that kind of person the probation not finishing mm. school rebellion so i related to these people and I knew if I can do it, they can do it. Mm -hmm. So I had to, I couldn't really preach to them. And if they asked me, I can tell them, but I can't, you know, it wasn't yeah. that kind of, that kind of job. So you have to help them, but then you have manipulation in there. And so you have to be careful. I had to, you know, so I felt that I added value because when people would see me even um, out here in the streets, uh, out in the outside, not, not in the custody environment. And if I would see some of the people, they would say, they'd call me by my last name. Hey, Duran. And I'm like, hey, how are you doing? They go, hey, I'm doing better now. I'm doing better now. Because they would always, I would say, you can do this. You can do this. I'm always trying to motivate and yeah. hopefully inspire somebody with my story that, mm -hmm. hey, we may not all have come from the same background, some worse than others. I didn't come from a bad background. My family was good, uh, although we were around some not so good environment sometimes. Um, but my brother, my sister didn't really do what I did. I did. It was really the mindset. You mm -hmm. could separate those yourself from those people, but if you felt like me, a lack of confidence, you went with the other kids that had a lack of confidence. You yeah. guys fed off, then we fed off each other. Yeah. So when I went in there, so I felt like over the years, I was kind of actually ministering to these people. I was helping them hopefully become a better person, hopefully become a better family member. And not oh, you had proof of that because they said to, like, you met them in the street and they said they were getting better. So you obviously were doing something very successful there. So I do hear it even now. I've, I've been uh, retired for a year now and a 30-year law enforcement role, just shy of 29 plus. Um, I still hear it. I still So what was that people. like, walking out of that job into, into nothing? What was that like? Uh, I'll be honest with you. That, it was uh, not easy because um, 
you uh, really, what do I do now? Yeah, the pain you, um, but I'm so structured that in discipline, lifestyle, I get up early and um, I began, well, for the academy back in 1990, when I started my journey, it didn't start till 92, but 90, I began to run, jog, and for the academy to get ready for the rigorous academy that we were going to endure. It wasn't mm -hmm. as rigorous as I thought it would be, but it was like a boot camp. So I did not want to fail. I tell you what, sometimes in my life, I look back and think, um, it's not so much that I want to get to that goal. I just do not want to fail, which drives me to get to that goal even harder. So I, I just, I don't accept failure. Although, because as a child, I felt like I failed. So now I do everything I can that in my mindset, failure is not an option. It's it's not an option. I don't even leave it on the table. I, I burn my boat, even though I sometimes question. I said, I'm, I will not fail at this. So I began to get that mindset, develop it. It was took years and, and I began jogging and throughout the uh, time, get to my law enforcement career right before I retired. I began a year prior to me retiring and I began planning and not only have goal setting, but planning a goal without a plan is just a wish. And that's a fairy tale. It's not going to happen. You got to have a goal and have some kind of implementation plan to be able to get to the goal. So for me, Prior to retiring, I started, well, I may retire. I might retire. So what am I going to do? I started dabbling what I'm going to do. I'm not much of a TV watcher. I love books. I found in love re reading books years ago. I read literally seven days a week. Um, I, Warren Buffett says, skip a meal, but don't skip your daily reading. And I literally, there may be 99%. Maybe there's one time I don't do it. It's very, very rare. Um, I want to have that information. I want, you know, I believe that you if you come across a person of rare intellect, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, you need to ask that person, what books are they reading? Because mm -hmm. that's where it comes from. So prior to that, started thinking, what what will I do? I and Now I have nothing to do. I need to have a sense of purpose. So um, I, I've always enjoyed conferences, trying to help young people. And I'm thinking how best to help all people, even the people in custody, the children. Uh, I thought politics. And I thought, well, half the people love you, half the people hate you. It's hard to move the needle on a big ship, you know, on a big government. Uh, it's hard to move it. So I thought, well, no, that's not what I want. And all of a sudden, the book idea came to me. And I said, okay. I started dabbling. What do they do to find out how to write a book? I actually Googled it. How do I write a book? That's where the journey started. <laughs> no one told me. I didn't know anybody writing books. Uh, how do I write a book? And I started calling, doing my due diligence. Next thing you know it. It led me to a company and they kind of led me and gave me the tools necessary to be able to do the book. And uh, for so that was one month prior. Um, it was several months prior, but one month prior, I actually started writing the book June of 2021. Uh, July of 2021 is when I retired after almost 30 years from uh, June 21 all the way to June 2022, just uh, three, four months ago. The book was complete in about a year's time, probably within days of each other. It wasn't planned that way. I had planned to write it in four to six months, but because I had to read the revisions, I had to rewrite it, rewrite it. It didn't sound right. I actually gathered a team with me of, uh, of like-minded people to help me uh, to really condense it, to get the best book possible, because I believe that if I'm going to do something, I'm not going to halfway it. I'm going to do everything I can to make it the best, and I've done it. Now, okay, so now got the book done. Was it? It's contingent. What do you? What does a person want to do with the book? Is 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 different for everyone? What's okay, the book called? I mean, I can see, I can see it on this video, but obviously, for yeah. the benefit of my listeners, what's the book called? So the book is called "Live Life on Purpose." Okay, from running the streets to running a beat. All right, and it, and everything on there is twofold. Um, live a life. Um, live life on purpose is you have to have something to shoot for, some purpose, right? And you have to be purposeful or intentionality to be able to um, to live that purpose. And from running the streets to running a beat, running the streets is twofold as well. Uh, yeah. Back when I was a young kid, I was running the streets in a bad way, but then it became a marathon runner. So from running the streets to running a beat, the beat is law enforcement. We call it a beat. Yeah. So that is what the book's called. Um, and now the book's complete. Now what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give back. So a portion of every book sale is going to the Boys and Girls Club of America. Wonderful. So I need to give back because that is where I find that brings me fulfillment to be able to reciprocate everything that I've been given to give to others. My experience, my uh, my my really my failures, 
my challenges and uh, and then my successes, because I believe it's fundamental really for everyone. And we all different environments, but we all kind of, you know, this, these are the seasons of life, the winters, the summers, the falls, the springs. We all go through these seasons, the ebbs and the flows. But it's in the downtime, I believe, is when the growth happens. Yeah. It's if you want you want to get stronger. If you're a weightlifter, you want to get stronger. You have to add more weight or and or reps. So you have to add some resistance to it. And that's where the strength begins. And with the mindset, with the body, with the emotions and with everything in life, you, it's that's the growth period. So what does life on purpose, living life on purpose mean for you? I believe living life on purpose is, like I said, uh, for me, is I this purpose. And that is living the life that I, I feel that I was actually designed or ordained mm. to live. Mm-hmm. That's the life. And in a, in, a, in a very productive and a meaningful way, because I believe somebody can have a purpose, but the wrong purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe me, I've worked with 30 years with people that had the wrong purpose. Some of them wanted to be leaders of the gang. I don't believe that's that's productive in any uh, uh, shape, form, or fashion. Um, however, having a, a, a purpose in a meaningful way, in productive way, and that is living the life that you believe you were. Now, I, I'll say this, and it's not a money thing. It's, hey, if the, um, say, a, a wife and a, a husband and wife relationship, if the wife wanted to be a stay-at-home stay mom, wife and mom, then I believe she's living life on purpose. She's living life in a productive and meaningful way in her her realization of that yes and i believe that is that is a successful life and so now that i'm living this life on purpose and intentionality that um everything i'm doing now is uh, i'm having to think this through because i believe that you don't get there by accident you get there by design it's not by default but by design so if you want to get to the top of the mountain you have to actually put some effort you have to have some form of plan and be tenacious. Yes. And you'll get you can be at the bottom and stay at the bottom by accident, by doing nothing, but you'll never get to the top and live the life that you actually were designed and ordained to live and or myself until you start to understand that. What it comes with intentionality. Wow. That's really clear. Thank you. So um, how do you define, I mean, uh, how do you define success? I mean, you said you've had successes. I mean, do you have a definition for success for you? Are you? Sure. Yeah, I, I believe that this, my <clears throat> life, my life's journey uh, has been had successes and yet challenges and failures. Mm. But even the failures can add value to your life because mm-hmm. you learn what not to do. So like, OK, now I won't do that again uh, and, and I'll do this better because that didn't work out. So the life that I've had, um, I, and I do, do believe overall success is really in finding fulfillment is loving relationships with, with God, with yourself, and with your family and or friends and community, and having that life of gratitude and giving back. So I do believe um, success, success in life um, takes different forms and, and over time, over your life. So I, uh, I believe someone could be successful in something. But then, okay, so I was successful, say, successful at my job. Well, now I don't have that anymore. There has to be some course correcting. Now what am I going to do? And I believe that some people reach the pinnacle of success, maybe financially, maybe in promotions, and maybe in their family. But now they don't have that anymore. Now what do they do? So you have, sometimes you have to get to, well, not some, I believe you have to get to uh, uh, a deeper meaning even than that you had thought of before. And it may So you're a successful parent and your children were small. Now they're big. Now they moved out of the house. Now what do you do? So, okay, so my job was there for 30 years. Now what do I do? So you have to find that thing that you believe fulfills you. And I I have found that in myself in giving back, Mm. fulfillment, loving relationships. Um, I want more friends. Well, I have to be a friend to get more friends. Do the things that necessary that friends do. And if you want to you know, have great health. Well, you have to have some intentionality. Uh, great health rarely is by accident, rarely. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say that there's those uh, anomalies, but really great health comes with a lot of intentionality, kind of watching kind of what you eat over time and maybe getting some exercise, getting some vitamin D. So there has to be some intentionality to it. Great health, again, is by intentionality. And and I'm really emotional, mental, and um, 
and your relationships. It's healthy relationships. I believe that comes with intentionality. So that's the life I want to live now in um, a well, it's, it's an overall wellness. Mm. It's emotionally mental. It's more than just the physical. It's more than just financial. I, you know, I believe that success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. It, you took years to get to that goal and you find out that it was anticlimactic. It's like, oh, well, that, the problem. I mean, that's what happens so often. That's success. That's someone else's success quite often. That's what you're, look, you're chasing. I believe that. <clears throat> I believe that. And, and, I, and I, I believe you start be mindful to remain mindful. So mm. I think a lot of people don't think this through. Um, they, they, and I, I thought your thoughts do thoughts become things. Thoughts become things. So be careful what you think about. Mm. Be careful what you see. Be careful <clears throat> what you hear. And be careful who you're around because they will influence you. You yes. may have your goals, but if you're around other people that don't align with those goals, more times than none, you're going to begin to align with their goals, which mm. could be a lack of goals. Mm. And then you forget your own self. So I think if you're, you re- remain mindful, to keep the to stay mindful and be around others who feel the same way, you're gonna work off each other. It's the compounding effect and being consistent with that on a daily basis. Again, we're not all perfect. We have those ebbs and flows. There's sometimes I'm just not gonna feel like it. I'm not gonna feel like. But there's some things. I'll, this is the true story. This helps me in a big way. I I do my best to um, live up to the promises to meet the promises that I make to myself. And as I do that, my life, not only that my, my mind begins to strengthen, but that my standards begin to rise Mm. and what I thought I can do, I can actually do more now. Wow. So, and it's just, it's just, I think it's a bulletproof way. Even again, I get knocked down. Oh, and even I am a positive kind of guy overall, maybe it's part of my personality, but I actually work on this. I mean, Mm. I literally, um, I take cold showers seven days a week. Oh. So I'm not just sitting there. Oh, Literally, no, hate no, them. No, hate yeah. idea of cold showers. And I do too. Believe me, uh, there are times today, I've been doing this for two years, the cold showers in particular. I've been running for 32 years, but the cold showers, two years. And uh, and, the, and there are times still today that I struggle. I look at my shower and I think, I don't want to get in there today. It's, I just, I don't want to get in there. So, but I said, no, I'm going to keep the promises I make to myself. And when I do the things, discipline myself by its very nature is um, having you make yourself do the things you kind of don't want to do. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a one of my a, a past client used to say to me, he gets in the cold shower every day because that's the most difficult thing. He, if he can start the day with doing the most difficult thing he has to do, then everything else in the day will work, be easy. I believe that. And I fix my bed. I never leave my apartment <laughs> mm-hmm. without first fixing my bed. So that's, very, that's very military day. of you. That's very military of you. <laughs> right. I start my day with a sense of accomplishment. Yes. A course. win. Of and course. so if if the day just turns out bad all together and I come home, the day just didn't go well. It didn't meet my expectations. I came home. At least I got a fixed bed. Absolutely. So look, let's move on. What about contribution? So I believe my contribution and yep. what I feel like I've called to do is giving back, giving back to what I, everything I've learned, mm-hmm. everything I've been through yeah. and adding, doing my best to contribute to the world, my community and beyond through uh, my experiences and my successes and not just my successes. Cause I want to be real with people. It hasn't always been uh, roses and all those things that there's some times that's been tough. And I, I described one earlier, yeah. and, but there's other times like, you know, my, my dad passed a couple of years ago, which tough for my family. But these are the parts of life that when you have good relationships, um, it makes the big difference because they will be your foundation when you, you're going to need them. Whereas you don't have those uh, and you're going to go through something. We all will. And if you don't have that support network, it you're, you're compounding the difficulty of going through that event. So my contribution is now helping others um maybe avoid and, and and or if they're in it to help them come out through what i know what works for me i know that are, they're actually proven to work and i'm a living example and i want to share those with others not overwhelm somebody i run marathons and have for many years but i don't think everybody should how many marathons are you up to now then you, you know what honestly paul i 
I I say between 50 and 100. I think it's probably 75 plus, but I don't count. Um, the only ones I count is the four times Boston, uh, <sighs> two Boston marathons, four time Boston qualifier. Each I did it four times in a row. Okay. Um, so that, that certainly, that, yeah, that's contribution to the self. That's for sure. <laughs> right. And then helping others in the health healthy way. What's worked for me? I have literally not taken even a Tylenol in probably four years. Not even one Tylenol. Now I'm not in any medication. I'm 56. I don't take any medication. I don't take any supplements. I'll take a protein shake once in a while if I do a hard run. And I think I need to start some things, but everything just seems to work. But again, this is all intentionality. You know, I, I try to get my sleep. I try not to overeat. I watch what I eat. I, I try to get my vitamin D. I, I'm around healthy relationships, um, healthy reading. I don't watch a lot of TV. I don't sit down a lot because I don't think it's good for my back. So it's like compounding. It's these little... I, it's kind of like inch by inch, it's a cinch, yard by yard, it's hard. So doing those little things over time, compound, will add so much value. But those little things that you can do every day that anybody could do, they're so small to do. They're easy to do, but just as easy as those little things are easy to do, they're easy not to do because mm -hmm. they're so small. Yeah. But compounded over time, it's going to either add value or take away value, devalue yourself. If you're compounding those little things, bad habits, you know, um, bad company will corrupt, you know, good, you know, will corrupt good character. Yeah, so, of course. You know, and, and then on the, the other side of that coin. I, as you so say, I mean, it's like that thing about little things. It's like, you know, the, the guys that, that you, you met in that, in your, that correctional facility, they didn't start with the big stuff. They started with nicking stuff from, 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 from small shops and, 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 they, and they progressed up and the, and the line gets constantly moved. And the same with everything else. When you start you know, being, doing, getting healthier, if you do a five-minute walk today and do a 10-minute walk next week and, and tomorrow, and, and then it, everything about progression, isn't it? You just move the needle. If everyone could be consistent and just mm -hmm. start where they're at, you know, just mm -hmm. start where they're at. And not compare themselves with me, you, Paul, or somebody else that they look up, they may look up to, but start where they're at. Mm. Over time, they will get a lot farther, either in a good, positive, or negative way. But if they start with healthy, positive um, um, habits that, one, get the goal, like, oh, uh, I want to be healthy. And, you know, nobody wants average health. If you ask somebody, hey, do you want great health or average health? I don't think it, there's not one in a hundred. What's that? I just want average health. We all want great health, but we don't want to have to do something to get that great health or do everything we can. So now looking back, I want to add value to someone that's worked for me, not only me, but millions of other people uh, today, living today and historically. So um, through my wisdom, with my experience and my the, the knowledge I've garnered over the years, um, through health and wealth, wealth, not necessarily financially, but nothing wrong with that, by the way, um, um, but healthy relationship, um, having a wealthy life. And that's a wellness to me. That's mm. a whole lot of the wellness approach to life. And that will bring you um, fulfillment because you've got to look what really fulfills you. Why do you want what you want? Why do you want this? And when you start asking why, it really puts people on notice. Like, oh, well, they, they never thought of that before. So if you and I can ask those people or ask the questions of ourselves, then that will motivate us and keep us going. Like, I believe, why am I, you know, what am I doing? Well, I'm, well, I'm writing a book and I'm getting a book out there. I'm going on podcasts like you, like yours, Paul. Uh, and, and, and then you could, okay, that's great. And well, why? Well, because I believe I was designed and ordained to do this. And by doing this, I believe that I can help so many people, um, uh, level up their life in the way they want to level up and even and, if you only help one person it's it's enough isn't it really just you just just one person moving because of what you've done so satisfying so yeah. satisfying that gives you more than money can yeah. ever give it's such a hard and, and, he, and, and you'll, you'll probably do more but just to know i mean that guy in the street said to you you know hey duran i'm doing better you know and, and that's just enough isn't it on some level yeah, you know, it, 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 this feels so good. Just literally a week ago, I go to a restaurant and somebody calls me. Hey, Lieutenant. So I actually thought it was a former deputy that worked for me. Mm -hmm. Hey, Lieutenant. And, and he, he waves to me. And I look back and I think I, I had I literally had um, probably 180 people that working for me. So a lot of people I don't know everybody. No, of course I did not. my best to be yeah, personal yeah. with everybody. Yeah. But I look back, and I'm thinking and I don't forget faces. I, I have a pretty good memory. And I'm like, I just waved to him, hey, you know, because he knew who I was. 
I'm like, I walked away. Uh, as I there was a lot of a marijuana smell and other drugs that were when he opened the door. I'm like, yeah, that's not deputy. That's not an <laughs> officer. And that was a guy from jail that knew me. All right. And he says, I'm out here now. And I said, good for you. I don't ever want to see you in that place again. I told him. <laughs> I won't, I won't, Duran. I won't, Lieutenant. Uh, and I walked away. But you hear things like that. And then, you know, I look back and I say, you know what? They, they, they remembered me for something. I you know, know, those 30 years, they remember a guy who tried to help them, yeah, motivate them, inspire them. Because after I had been in a while and I was, you know, as a lieutenant, you, you're kind of an office kind of uh, format. So I'm not in there with the fellas anymore or, or the gals. So to remember me, he had to go years back, but he, he remembered did. me. He did, he did, he did. So look, that feels so good. let's move us on. What's the one question you want people to ask of themselves or ask you? So I, I would, that one question is a very powerful question. And I would say, why? Mm. Find out why you are where you're, why are you, why you want what you want? Why are you doing what you're doing? And so, that question there is so poignant and so deep. It's all like it's simple, but it's deep. No, it's not. So, well, it's not simple because it's you get to why and you get an answer and then you get, but do I want that? Yeah. But why do I want that? That That is that that is the million dollar question. And that can lead you to really start your journey and, and level up your life in a way that you only dreamed your life can level up. Yes. And nothing happens overnight. But when you ask those why, and then you might get to the why and say, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore because why I'm doing this doesn't make any sense to me. Ah, now sure. that's a value question. You see, when you get into why you don't like something, suddenly you realize it's about values. When you know your values, what you value, then, so true. then, then you suddenly realize that what you're doing doesn't fit your values. Doesn't fit your values. And if you have a strong, so, you know what you're doing. Okay. I get it. But why you're doing this, you have to have a strong pull. You say, oh, I just, I'm doing it for the money. Well, I get that. And that's great and everything. And you have some ambition and that's a good goal. Okay. But why do you want the money? Why? And then you start asking why. You get down to the nitty gritty. You have to have a strong, because I want to, When the more money I have, the more I can give. The more money, I, the more people I can impact in a positive way. The more people I can keep out of that custody environment. The more I can help families. The more I can help the Boys and Girls Club of America fund them because it's a funded, it's all donations. But the more book sales I, I get out there, the more I can help because every book sale helps them. Yes. And why I'm doing it. So you I, are that's passionate about that. Goal. You're certainly passionate about that. I could certainly hear that in your voice. I mean, there's no so, doubt about that from my. <laughs> so, so that's the why. And so that why gets me up. And there's sometimes I don't want to work on what I need to work on. But I remember the why mm -hmm. and the why I'm doing this. I said, oh, I have to do this because this is so, going to help families. This is going to help a child. This is going to help. This is going to help. I'm doing this because. This can is you what say I more a bit about that charity? Because I've never heard of it before. What's so the Boys and Girls Club of America, it's a charity that's been started probably in the 1940s, 50s. I have to look it up. It's been 60, 70 years. And, and so what that does, much of it is um, uh, when it, a lot of it's towards the lower income. Uh, with kids that didn't, don't have a lot of opportunity <clears throat> and, and then some parents that may be single parents and they have to go to work, but the kid gets out at say two o'clock, three o'clock from school and the parent is at work till five. Well, what are they going to do? Well, they don't have enough money to get a babysitter, but what they could do is the child can go to the boys and girls club and be there till six and have mentors and learn computer skills, learn, um, learn. Uh, uh, so it basically know, gives them somewhere to go <clears throat> and stop them getting involved in the wrong company. That's correct. And then, you know, there's sports and then, and there's uh, they have leaderships <clears throat> and they have mentors. And it's, it's great to see like, like a 12 year old could be a mentor to an eight year old. Yes. And then the 14 year old could be at the 12 year old. And so they have this leadership programs all over all 50 States. And I think it's in other countries as well. So um, that's, I'm saying, if there's ever a place, because you, you, you have, I think of such a value, that's the next generation. So if I can give back to them, they can learn the leadership skill, skills and they can add so much value to others and then to others at the compounding effect. Now, is it going to change overnight? No, but that one person that may hear from me or may read my book 
or the money that was funded. Maybe the Boys and Girls Club wouldn't have enough money, but they had enough money for that parent to leave the child off. And, and the parent doesn't have to worry about the well, child. Well, you don't know They're either, do you? You don't know what the child will do or the parent will do. Each person could, could change the world we live in. So you never Each know. Each person, you know, it, I, you know, you say one person with seven and a half billion, eight billion people in the world. I know there's billions of us. And, and, I, and here's what I say. If you or I, if a person thinks that they're too small to make a difference, try spending the night with a mosquito. Yes, absolutely. That can actually ruin your day. The it next can. day, you can. So you're no one is yeah. too small to make a difference. <laughs> and things, uh, thoughts become things. And our contribution, how big or how small, it all adds value and compounding over time. And I, I believe that this is what I'm called to do. And that's why I'm doing it. And that's the Boys and Girls Club of America. So, and they have so many things. It's so so cool. that's the book, Live Life on Purpose. Yeah. By Adam Duran. You can find that. And we'll have links for that. How else could people get in touch with you? So, uh, yes, through Amazon. It's on Amazon. And yeah. also, uh, I'm I'm pretty active on uh, Instagram, uh, uh, underscore Duran. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, I'm on Facebook as well. So if you go Adam Duran and you can actually Google me, I'll come up Adam Duran runner. Um, I have a YouTube, uh, actually have a YouTube uh, uh, account that I haven't put in a while, but it's called the motivational runner. There's like probably two, 300 videos in there that I'm trying to motivate people to get out and exercise and move that body and, and uh, just appreciate the body that they have. You know, it's kind of use it or lose it. Everything in our life is kind of like a muscle. You know, our emotional self, our mental self, our physical self, you use it or lose it. And you think, well, that's not really true. And the resistance, try lay down for two weeks and don't get up. And then after two weeks, get out of bed and see how you, how it's going to feel. Well, indeed, it'll be hard. Do you have a website as well? Adam-Duran.com. Lovely. Yes. Well, look, all so, those links will be available at the website Life, Fashion and Business. So do check it out. Do check it out on Amazon. Well, thanks, Adam, so much. We, we now get to the last question that we get on this on this podcast. What's the meaning of life? Because, you know, what are we here for? I believe the meaning of life um, really is relationships. Yeah. Really the relationships that we have, not only with ourselves, but with others. And if we can find meaning in that, in loving relationship with ourselves, with God, um, with our families, friends, and our community. I think that's everything in life because the money will come and go. But what I know that, that there's an old, there's an old, uh, I think, a uh, quote from, they say, Lee Iacocca, who was a big uh, business guy back in the day. He said, project yourself to your deathbed mm. and, 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 and think of that time. What would you, what regrets would you have? Would you regret not spend? would you regret not spending more time in the office? Mm. Would you regret <clears throat> spending, you know, this or that, or would you regret not spending maybe enough time with your family or not taking care of your health at, the way you should have, or your friends, not valuing your friends and your community like you should. I think a lot of that would be coming back to loving relationships and giving back. Because when you give back, it's almost self uh, selfish to be unselfish. Because when you give, you feel so good. It comes right back to you. So I believe that all of us can add value to other people through our own lives. And we all have a story. So I, I wrote a book that's great and everything. But I believe everybody has a story and a story worth telling. Mm, absolutely. And, uh, we all have something to contribute to this world. And again, there is no one in this world that's too, not too, uh, that's too small to make a difference. Well, Adam Duran, thank you so much for being with me today. It's been such a joy to talk to you and hear your story. Paul, thank you very much. Have a wonderful day and live life on purpose. Will do. Thank you. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Adam Duran. If you'd like to connect with Adam, you can find him at his website, adam-duran.com. He's on Instagram and on Facebook. And do check out the book, Live Life on Purpose, which you can find on Amazon. Now, all those links will be available at the website, lifepassionandbusiness.com. Hopefully you have been following this podcast for a while and have explored the five questions for yourself. But if not, what's stopping you? You know, after hundreds of interviews, I can say with a hand on my heart that having answers to the questions about our passion, a picture of success, an awareness of contribution, thoughts around the one question and a sense of what it all means, that is the path to a good life. 
Now look, you don't need me to tell you that our world is changing faster than at any other time. Certainly any time that I can remember. And we must be sure to know who we are and what we want out of this journey because we will not get it unless we choose it. So please give it some thought because you know your future depends on it. And if you'd like some help with that process, do check out the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com where you will find the five questions ebook and worksheets. Now this stuff is packed with exercises to help you on the journey towards self-discovery and it's at the amazing price of just $12.99. So do check that out at the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com. Now, finally, has this podcast been useful to you? If so, please consider giving us a five-star review on the app of your choosing and, of course, sharing it with a friend because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts. And that's it from me until Sunday. As always, thank you so much for being here with me on this journey. I so appreciate your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best.